Hello and welcome to Clear Out. I am your host, Nihal Qatar. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Sahil. How you doing, man? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. But how you doing? Yeah, Happy New Year to everyone. I'm doing pretty well. Um, obviously not the most exciting time in the NBA right now, but I think it is a good chance to look at how the rookies are doing, you know, it's more interesting to look at individual players right now since teams might not have all their rosters. They might have a lot of people in COVID protocols. And it gives us a chance to kind of watch some of these worst teams without really, you know, dissecting these these bad teams because that wouldn't be as exciting as talking about the rookies themselves. So I think it'll be fun to, to catch up on these guys. Yeah, so we, as Sahil alluded to, we're going to be talking about six rookies today from the first round of the 2021 NBA Draft. We'll be talking about Cade Cunningham of the Detroit Pistons, Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets, Josh Giddy of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Franz Wagner of the Orlando Magic, Davian Mitchell of the Sacramento Kings, and finally, Chris Duarte of the Indiana Pacers. Notably, we are not talking about Evan Mobley or Scotty Barnes um, or Shangun over in Houston. Three good players. Uh, we've talked about the first two quite a bit on previous episodes, so I encourage you to go back and listen to those. When we talk about uh, the Rockets and the Cavaliers, respect, excuse me, the Raptors, the Raptors and the Cavaliers, <laughs> respectively, uh, we haven't really talked about the Rockets, so we apologize to Shangun. But we're going to be talking about Jalen Green today. Before we talk about the rookies, however, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the first fan returns of the NBA All Star voting came out like not an hour ago. I have not seen this actually. So, and I want to I want to get your reaction. <laughs> To, right. to the fan voting. So Sahil has not seen this. I didn't even, you know, I told him we're just going to be talking about the rookies. You know, just a little bit of payback for Will it's sustained. You know, this, is kind of, <laughs> this is kind of what it feels like. Um, but let's start with the Western Conference. In for, in first place, obviously, we're going we're gonna to start with the front court. In first place, you have LeBron James of okay. the Lakers. Um, uh, in second place, you have Nikola Jokic. In third place, you have Paul George. Uh, remember, this is only the front court. Um, in fourth place, Andrew Wiggins, fifth place, Draymond Green, sixth place, Anthony Davis, seventh place, Carl Anthony Towns, eighth place, Carmelo Anthony, ninth place, Rudy Gobert, and 10th place, DeAndre Ayton. And for the guards in the Western <laughs> Conference, across the Western Conference, with 2.5 million votes, the most out of anyone, Steph Curry in first place, second place is Luka Doncic with under 800,000 votes, so a $1.7 million, or $1.7 million, 7. 1.7 million vote difference between those two. I'm surprised two. that a lot of people didn't come out for Luka. I feel like he's gotten a lot of votes in previous years, but yeah. under a million, well. I, it, I, it's, it is a little bit surprising. Mm-hmm. Third is John Morant. Um, I think that's deserved. Fourth is Clay Thompson with 367,000 <laughs> votes. Fifth is Devin Booker. Sixth, Chris Paul. 7th, Donovan Mitchell, 8th, Damian Lillard, ninth Russell Westbrook, and 10th, Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves. We go over to the east in the front court. We have Kevin Durant first, Giannis Antetokounmpo second, Joel Embiid third, Jason Tatum fourth, Jimmy Butler, Jarrett Allen, Bam Adebayo, Miles Bridges, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Nikola Vucevic rounds out the top 10. Then when we go to the guards, DeMar DeRozan, for some reason, listed as a guard. I don't really get that, but he is yeah, number that, one. In, I mean, he has played probably at shooting guard in the past. I mean, yeah, he, he, would be, he past, wouldn't be yeah. fine as a shooting guard in the past, but he's definitely playing the four most of the time now for the Bulls. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. So you have DeMar DeRozan at one, James Harden at two, Trey Young at three, 
Levine at four, LaMelo Ball at five, then Kyrie Irving, who just made his debut last night, uh, Derek Rose at seven, Tyler Hero at eight, Darius Garland at nine, and Fred Van Vliet at ten. So, you know, it is, it's an interesting top 40 players so far in the voting. Obviously, I mean, I just, I think we should just get rid of fan voting. Like, it obviously doesn't really impact the final right. All-Stars, but... I don't know. It's kind of getting ridiculous at this point. Um, also, yeah, I mean, what was your initial reaction to those? I think, well, one more thing I want to mention is that there are one, two, three, four, I believe. No, three. Okay, there's three Chicago Bulls, which I guess that makes sense. There's only one Milwaukee Buck. There's no Chris Middleton and there's no Drew Holiday in the top ten for either the front court or the guards. Chris Middleton kind of makes sense, hasn't had the great season. But, I mean, there is no way you're convincing me that Derrick Rose and Tyler Hero should be in here over... So my understanding is that this only affects the starters, correct? I don't really know how it works, because, you know, we had Zaza Pachulia be, like, first in voting a couple years ago. Yeah. And he didn't even make the All-Star game. So, I I mean, I think when there's, like, clear mistakes, they don't go through. But I I think it's just kind of... uh, I mean, we're not going to talk about this too much, but what is your initial reaction? Well, well, the first weird thing I noticed that kind of surprised me is that Andrew Wiggins was voted had more votes than Draymond Green by three hundred thousand, which is curious to me because it seems like the only people that would be voting for Andrew Wiggins would either be maybe people from Canada and people Golden State fans, but I would think they would vote more for you know their Defensive Player of the Year might win Defensive Player of the Year again, who has obviously been the linchpin of their of their defense for you know, as long as their dynasty has lasted. But um, that surprised me. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me so much to see Gobert kind of at the latter end of those forwards. Um, you know, Carmelo, obviously not an all-star caliber player. Um, uh, uh, who is Russell Westbrook, obviously not an all-star caliber player, but that doesn't surprise me that he's in the voting just because of the, you know, the household name aspect. Um, in the other conference, LaMarcus Aldridge, I, I don't know if people just want to see him kind of... He's had a good season, but and he's much been much better than I expected, as I talked about in the previous episode, but obviously not an all-star caliber player. Um, I feel like there was another East name that uh, that stood out to me. Miles Bridges? Miles Bridges, okay. There's, there's Rose, Hero. Okay. Van Vliet's actually 10th, which I'm happy. I think he's yeah. had an all-star caliber season. Um you know, you have Kyrie there, obviously. You have yeah, the players yeah, who haven't yeah. played. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, Tatum being fourth in the front. Oh, yeah, Tatum. Really interesting. And now that I'm I'm realizing there's no Jalen Brown. Um, so it's kind of fascinating to me that, that, that Jason Tatum is fourth in the East in the front court. And Jalen Brown doesn't even crack the top 20. Yeah, um, Tatum's not been efficient this year, but he is still putting up good counting stats. So it wouldn't surprise me if he made the All-Star game, but... It, it wouldn't feel right to me if Tatum ended up being the All-Star game over Jalen Brown. Um, it doesn't make any sense. I, I wouldn't really mind if both of them went in, I guess, but I just think Jalen Brown deserves to be in the All-Star game. When are we going to get more than one buck? Or two bucks, I guess. We've had Chris Middleton. I mean, there's just I, no I, I think it's going to be Drew Holiday and, and Giannis this year. I, after Probably. looking at Chris's stats a bit more last night, I, I don't. it's it's, pr- it's a pretty down year for him. I, I don't know if he deserves to be in this year. Um I mean, he, he might deserve to be in. You know, he deserves to have more than two All-Star appearances, which I think is all he has right now. But this might not be the year he does it. But it'll be exciting to see Drew get a second, um, as a Bucks fan at least. But also, I think a lot of people who follow the league closely know what Drew's done over the last, uh, you know, several years. And the players love him. So it'll, it'll be good to get him in Cleveland this year. I think that will happen. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's in Cleveland. Maybe we'll go. Um, well, actually, get, well, we'll we, we can get press passes. <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll have to see about what COVID's like. And, you know, it's surprising to me that Jared Allen is, has as many votes as he does, which is actually not that many. That's a huge drop off from five to six in the front. Deserved, court. though. I think. Deserved, yeah. But, you know, I, I think I would think Evan Mobley would also be there. But there are two Cavaliers here. Darius Garland is there as well. All right, just a little fun. You know, I, I saw it today and I was surprised. Um, they just get rid of fan voting. I, it's kind of fun, but for some reason, the NFL gets it a lot more right. NFL fans get it a lot more right than uh, NBA fans. And I think, well, we don't have to compare them, but um, I just think that good NFL analysis is more readily available, which is a topic we can talk about at some other time. You know I'm passionate about it. Yeah, we can talk um, about that. But we're, but we're here to, you know, try to be the, the change we wish to see in the world. True. So. True. And with that, why don't we start off our rookie roundup with Cade Cunningham, who went... For, it is Cunningham, right? It's not Cunningham. <laughs> I think it's Cunningham, but um, not 100% true. I just, I feel weird saying Cunningham after watching soccer for so long. Um, but Cade Cunningham, he did go first overall in the NBA draft. Missed the first few games of the season, but he's been pretty pretty decent. He's averaging 15, 6, and 5 this year. Uh, six rebounds and five assists, that is. Uh, with the Pistons, shown some promising moments. Um, Sahal and I watched some film on all of these guys. We watched the games, um, well, the condensed versions of the games. And, you know, what was, while you were watching the Pistons, what jumped out at you from Kate? Have you been impressed so far? Does he look like a number one pick? I definitely think he has some of the tools to be a guy who averages a near triple-double year after year. It can be the center of an offense. I really like the control he plays with. I think he's got a good handle. He's got good control of the ball. He's got he I, he's a really good passer. And we were talking about this off air, um, and you mentioned this, but he's definitely his passing is definitely ahead of where I thought it was going to be at Oklahoma State. I think he only averaged under four assists, and he's already averaging five, as you said, uh, this year. And it's not only the flashy passes that he's willing to make, but he's he's willing to get off the ball very quickly in possessions, make some of the simple passes, the pass, passes that aren't so flashy. So that's been pretty impressive. Um, and he's got the height, too, that allows him to kind of see over a defense and be a pick-and-roll player who can just find guys, you know, on the weak side. Um, and uh, I, I think he's got that those kind of tools to be, you know, the hub of an offense. Where he obviously needs to improve this season is his efficiency from almost everywhere on the court. Um, he's shooting 39-32-85 splits. 36% on catch-and-shoot threes, 22% on pull-up threes. Um, and even at the rim, you know, it just it just seems like he's lacking a little bit of explosiveness. And we knew this about Cade. We knew he wasn't one of the best athletes in the class or anything like that. But it seems, I'm just, I, I don't know if I'm worried, but I, I'm wondering if that's going to affect him going forward. Because I saw him get rejected a lot at the rim in the tape that I watched. And it also might affect his inability to get to the line, which he's also struggled with. So... Um, those, those are some of my first thoughts. What have you What have you noticed about Cade? Well, that those you mentioned two things that really jumped out to me. His passing, which you know, like you said, I've been talking about for a while now. Just watching him briefly before we we watched him more closely, I've been very impressed with his passing. I think you know, I, I didn't. I watched the last few games he played um, compared to the beginning of the season when I was watching him. It seems like his shooting has improved. Um, a little bit. He just seems more comfortable, which makes sense. You know, you get more comfortable the more you play. He just he just doesn't get to the line enough. Um, I think defensively, he has the tools to be a really good defender. 
Uh, he's not necessarily there yet, but I think he definitely can be a really good defender. Uh, you know, you know, Pistons fans are, are very passionate that this was the right choice, and it's way too early to say if it's the right choice or not. But uh, Cade does have the tools to be, I think, an excellent player in the NBA. I, I do think, like you said, he does get rejected a lot, kind of, at the rim. So I think he needs to learn, you know, where he is going to be the most effective in terms of scoring. And he has a really nice mid-range shot when he's on, when he's confident. And, and he has a pretty decent three-point shot, too, as well, when he's on and confident. It's very, he's very streaky at times. So... You know, I, I I do enjoy watching him play. I enjoy watching the Pistons play, actually, um, as as a unit. Um, we know we, we do have a listener who's a big Pistons fan, so yeah. <laughs> I, I I do genuinely enjoy watching them. Um, and and I'm excited. I'm excited to see how he progresses uh, throughout this season. So, you know, he's played 27 games so far. That's nothing. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's been pretty... Honestly, like, when I was looking at his number, his just his counting stats, they were higher than I expected them to be, to be completely honest, so... Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think... I, I like what you said about him defensively. He's just near the ball a lot on defense. Mm-hmm. One thing I noticed that he does really well is even if it, it's not his assignment, he's going to put the extra effort and really close out on shooters that aren't even his. Um, and, he, and he does a good job stealing the ball, blocking shots... I think I like him better as a help defender right now than a one-on-one defender, but he does a good job getting into passing lanes, like I said, rotating, um, getting back to his guy after after he's rotated. I think sometimes he can he can overhelp a little bit, but I think given the other defensive limitations on this Pistons team, it's okay that he's you know just causing activity, trying to defend at a high level. Um, it seems like sometimes once he's beat, he's just beat sometimes. Um, Maybe because of that, you know that 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 uh, straight line speed that that he lacks um, relative to some of his, you know the other guys in the draft. But like I noticed, I was watching the Pistons play the Rockets, and DJ Augustine just beat him off the dribble, and he just couldn't catch up. Or just you know, kind of you know, we'll monitor that. I think I think overall though, I think he is going to be more valuable as kind of uh, a switchable defender in terms of on ball reps, and then also like a help defender. I think going over screens is kind of not going to be his best, his strongest suit, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. I think I see some potential there defensively, and I just really like his effort, like I said, helping out other teammates. That's kind of reflective on both ends, right? Like on, on, on the offensive end, he's willing to make the extra pass. It does not look like he's going for numbers at all. And the same way defensively, like he's, he's making the extra effort and not just worrying about his own assignment. So um he he has turned the ball over a lot and like honestly it's hard to find rookies that pass the ball really well but also don't turn the ball over I I think there's one exception that we're going to talk about but um yeah those can lead to costly transition points on the other end but yeah I I I like what I've seen from him but um and and the Pistons are better with him on the court which Mm -hmm. is which is a good sign it's it seems like when you look at the Pistons numbers with him on the court versus off the court it's reflective of like Cade himself like when, when they're on the court, they rebound better. Cade's a great rebounder. They turn the ball over more. Cade turns the ball over a lot. They don't get to the line as much. Uh, Cade doesn't get to the line, obviously. And they um, they have better defense. And Cade, I think, has been one of their better defensive players this year. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see that they we're already kind of seeing that with the Pistons, like where, the, where Cade goes, the Pistons are kind of going in his time on the court. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see, um, 
It'll be interesting to see, you know, what the Pistons do this season. Are they going to trade Jeremy Grant? Uh, that could give Cades even more on-ball reps, you know, like uh, in the future. So we'll we'll see what the, what the future of the Pistons is. But I think Cade, I don't think you can regret the pick right now. I think he's got a lot of the tools to be the, the hub of an offense and, um, you know, an explosive defensive player as well. But it's definitely, you hope his efficiency starts to tick up. Absolutely, absolutely. And and to, you know, his how good of a passer he's been, he has a 28% assist percentage, which means when he's on the court, he assists on 28% of the Pistons made shots, which is the 99th percentile of the NBA. Um, the other thing is that I notice is he does turn over the ball a little bit. Um, he actually turns over the, bo- the ball, he has an 18.5% turnover percentage, according to cleaning the glass, which is not very good. That's in the second percentile. Um, and I was just looking at his shooting chart and, you know, I just I basically confirmed what we've been talking about. His most efficient shot is uh, the short mid-range shot. Um, so uh, he's in the 63rd percentile in terms of field goal percentage in the short mid-range. I mean, at the rim, long mid-range, and all the three-point sh- types of three-point shots, he's pretty low uh, in terms of percentage. But, you know, he, that, that'll improve. I, I, think, I think shooting... Defensive awareness, the things we're talking about, those are things you can improve, but you can see the feel for the game, uh, and that shows in his passing. And frankly, his height. I mean, that's something that you obviously can't teach, and the ability to, like you're saying, pass the ball and blend that with being able to see over a defense. I mean, we're seeing where the game is headed. Having a big wing who can play make and be the center of your offense and can guard multiple positions on the other end, I mean, like, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, he's a wing. I don't know if he's functionally really a wing. Um... I mean, he's kind of he's kind of like a point wing. Um, I I do think eventually Killian Hayes is going to be pushed out. I think like yeah. he just needs to be the focal point of the offense. And that's the other thing I think. You know, as the Pistons, as their young, their good young players continue to get better, and as they improve the team, that's going to help him out a lot. Uh, and his assist numbers will go up. He'll be able to get better looks himself. And uh, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see where he goes in the future. Do you have anything else on Cade? Yeah, I mean, this just kind of relates to back to what we said, but I think he's going to find, he's going to need to kind of dip his hand into the James Harden-esque bag of tricks, maybe learn a little bit of that, you know, foul hunting uh, kind of behavior, because I think he's, I don't know if his explosiveness at the rim is ever going to be good enough. You know, he's not like an Anthony Edwards type of type of athlete or anything like that. So he's going to need to find other ways to get to the line. And I think he can do, definitely do that. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the second pick of the draft, Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets. Rockets, excuse me. He's averaging 15.6 points per game this season, along with three rebounds and two assists. He's played 24 games this season. Uh, he's shooting 40% from the field and um, 32.5% from three. Again, shooting percentage, I mean, amongst rookies, it's usually not great. Um, you know, we've seen how good Anthony Edwards has been this season. He was super inefficient in his rookie year. Uh, so, I mean, that's something that can improve. But but when watching when watching Jalen Green play, there's just obviously the athleticism that's there. But for those of you guys who, who play 2K, uh, there's a badge called Giant Slayer, and that's exactly what Jalen <laughs> Green is. I mean, he can take anyone to the hoop. He can finish around or over anyone. It's really impressive to see just what he does around the rim. You know, the team is not that great, and they went notably on a huge winning streak without him. 
I don't think that necessarily means anything. He does have a lot to improve, which I'm sure we're going to touch on soon. But he's, he's an exciting player uh, with, I think, a lot of upside. Um, but we've seen players like this before, super athletic and dynamic players who don't improve just situationally and in terms of awareness um, and don't add the other stuff to the game, like the defense and the passing. I mean, some someone... Different, completely different players, but someone that comes to mind is, is Michael Beasley, and, and that you know, super talented scorer, incredible first step, but he never really took that next step. Um, and I think Jalen Green can. I'm just saying, we, we've seen players that go in the top five that have been like Jalen Green, but not. I mean, he's a different level of athletic. I think. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, his, his first step is incredible. It's he's incredible. just able to beat beat everyone off the dribble and. Um, He's so exciting in transition as well. He's able to split, like, multiple defenders. And I think, you know, like you said, I mean, there are some flaws in his game. Like, he's kind of always looking to take guys one-on-one. He's really not looking to pass that much. Um, I think he does do a good job of initiating contact and getting to the line. Um, I'd like to see him move off the ball a little bit more because I think he's actually a a very dynamic shooter. Uh Um, He's not shooting super well from three, around 33% from three this year, but... He's able to his his range extends well beyond the three point line, and he's looked really good like coming off screens, um, and out of ATOs, just shooting up threes and making them. So, um, the offense has been very bad with him on the court, um, and that's fine. Like you said, I I literally wrote down in my notes Anthony Edwards progression question mark here because, and you mentioned Anthony Edwards. I think the efficiency don't read too much into it because it's clear this guy can play offensively. Um, He's fifth in the team in usage right now. It almost feels like if he got more pick-and-roll reps, he would maybe look for other guys and not try to force it so much. When you see the ball swing to him, it, like it's either like he's just going to shoot a three or mm-hmm. going to try to attack, and he's not thinking that much about anything else. But they also have other players who can who can you know make reads and, and need to develop as well. So that's fine. I think it's, it's good for him to kind of practice his off-ball role right now, but I think he does do, need to do a better job um, moving around the ball. But he's become more efficient recently. I mean, to your point about him being inefficient and um, and um, the Rockets going on a winning streak without him, the Rockets are playing a little bit better, certainly better than they were at the beginning of the season, even since he's been back recently, and he's been much more efficient as of late. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, what, what did you see on the defensive end for him? Um, I, <laughs> I, I don't... Really, so help defense. It doesn't look like he's very interested as at all, which is, it's whatever. I mean, it's very hard for some rookies to figure out when to um, help and when to stay on their man. But I don't love his navigation through screens. It seems like the screen just hits him and he's kind of out of the play. I, I don't think that I've seen a lot from him defensively. Um, I think his athleticism sometimes can allow him to make these like awesome help plays that really like jump off the screen like he's able to meet guys who are much bigger than him at the rim sometimes um because of his athleticism but overall he's got a lot of work to do defensively luckily i mean you know with the position he's going to be playing i think that it's not as important that he's he's never going to be tasked to guard like awesome defenders i've noticed that steven silas doesn't even really put him on um you know even uh opponents best like guards He's really usually on people off ball uh, when, when he's uh, on defense for the Rockets. So I, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't think 
he's shown really much defensively besides those flash plays, but that's, again, something he can work on and not something I'm totally worried about with, with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of feel the same way. It's hard to tell with these rookies sometimes because defense is something that can really improve, but he just does seem kind of disinterested. He reminds me a yeah. bit of Zach Levine. Um, on that disinterested is a good word, yeah. Um, so, I mean, and... and just for clarification, ATO means after timeout, uh, you know, just for anyone out there who doesn't know what that means. Um, yeah, I mean, he is just really exciting to watch, which I feel like, you know, I've already said. Um, just a lot of the things that we thought he would be, I don't think many people expected him to have, like, a super efficient season. Um, and, you know, it's just about improving that. And, again, you know, these guys just don't play on good teams, and that's going to impact... Um, how efficient they are. Like you said, when the, since the Rockets are playing better now, he's been more efficient. So um, definitely one to keep your eye on. If you have League Pass, watch him. Um, he's really fun to watch. Uh, and the team, too. I, I do enjoy watching the Rockets as well. Yeah, no, they're... <laughs> Garrison Matthews, I mean... He's awesome. He's just... He, I can't believe he was barely on an NBA roster before doing what he's doing now. He's incredible. So Gary my- Bird... <laughs> my question to you is so in the idealized version of Jalen Green do you think he can kind of be a lead pick and roll ball handler or he's kind of like uh throw him throw it to him on the weak side attack closeouts cause havoc have it kind of like a secondary scorer type or do you think he can be like the center of an offense I, I just, I don't think his playmaking is there to be the center of the offense. And I I, I don't know, it seems like, I, I mean, instincts can change, but sometimes you just know. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be, I think he might, he might be best suited to being a secondary scorer, like a great secondary scorer, like 20, 22 plus points per game. But yeah, I, I don't know if I ever see him as being like the best player on a team that's going to take you very far unless he's got like a lot of playmaking and defense around him. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That's that's exactly where I see him. Um, I mean, you just, watching Cade and watching Jalen Green, you just see the difference in the way they, they see the floor. So, um, anything else on Jalen? Um, yeah, I mean, like like you said with the word disinterested, like, I, I, I noticed a couple possessions where he's complaining to a ref and didn't get back in transition. Uh, kind of the Luka Doncic uh, <laughs> uh, problem there, and... Yeah, stuff like that. I think he, he he's gonna he's gonna get better. He's gonna get older. Obviously, just a kid still. But um, yeah, he's he's definitely anyone who's like super down on him. I think you just need to wait because he's a rookie and he's shown enough mm-hmm. that like he can be special in this league. But he's got a lot to improve on. But overall, you know, like I don't think he's been a disaster by any means, even if the 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 advanced numbers might indicate that he has been. Yeah, I mean. As we've been repeating over and over again, he's a rookie. Um, I, we hope a lot of those things are going to improve. And if they don't, I mean, he's just not going to be... He's, he's not going to be a great NBA player, let alone a number two scorer. So, um, All right, moving on, we are going to be talking about Oklahoma City's Josh Giddy, who seems to be a Twitter darling recently. <laughs> um, he had a 0.10 rebound and 10 assist game quite recently. He became the youngest player in NBA history to ever record a triple-double, breaking LaMelo Ball's mark. Um, he was drafted the sixth overall, by the way. And he's, he's an interesting watch. I think watching him more closely, I think I'm less excited about him, honestly. Interesting. Than, than I was beforehand. Um, it's just, you know, it, he has 
so much control. He reminds me, I know it's very low-hanging fruit, but he does remind me of Steve Nash, just the pace, uh, reminds me of Steve Nash, just at the pace at which he plays. But, man, his scoring really worries me, and I just don't know if that's going to improve. He's not very good around the rim. It doesn't seem like he's a great three-point shooter. I mean, his numbers bear that out. He hasn't been great. I just, I don't know if he will be able to improve on that. Um, I think when he and Shea are on the court, he kind of gets lost in the offense. Like, he just, there's nothing for him to really do. Um, And, man, the the entire time I was watching him on defense, this is really, I feel feel bad because he's an exciting player. I'm sure he can be a good player. But um, I think something he does really well is he he can recover laterally. He makes himself big by sliding his feet and getting Mm -hmm. in front of a defender because, you know, people are going to get past him. But often I notice he's ball watching. He's not watching his man, and he's he gets beaten on the back door. Or, you know, he and his teammates, you know, he goes to the wrong rotation. Um, one time he just, you know, the two players on the wing, the opposing players switched. And because Giddy was ball watching, he didn't realize and he lost his man. So um, he also does this weird clap thing. I don't know if you noticed that, but whenever the ball, like, passes him when he's on defense he like claps i don't know what that's achieving but it's kind of funny something to look out for but incredible (laughs) passer i mean his passing range is incredible and so much fun to watch i have never seen i mean i have but his his ability to make skip passes i think is is absolutely elite no yeah i mean that game where i think he became the youngest player ever to record a triple double it was just awesome watching Luca and Giddy on both ends throwing those skip passes. That's the kind of thing that makes you think that he can be um, the lead, you know, creator on a good off or on a great offense. But um, yeah, I, I kind of like what you said about his length, um, allowing him to to close out because I felt like when um, the Thunder uh, executed zone schemes, he did a pretty good job at that, just closing out to those three point shooters. But I agree with you. I mean, he does look... It, it seems like the game is moving a little fast for him on the defensive end, which is kind of funny because when you're on offense, you get to kind of dictate a little bit more of the pace. And like and like you said, at least off-air, he does look like he's going into slow motion, and that might work for him on offense. But sometimes, you know, on defensively, when it looks like things are going too fast for him, that's gonna he's not going to be able to control the pace on that end. And maybe those things have nothing to do with each other, but it's just an interesting kind of note to make there. Um I, I like the quick connecting passes he's able to make as well in transition. He's able to just grab rebounds and then immediately pass like across the court to get guys easy layups. But um, yeah, I think his length can make up for a lot defensively, as you were kind of alluding to, but he definitely needs to make improvements on that end. Interestingly about his three-point shot, it does not look great. It's, it's a very <laughs> awkward-looking three-point shot, but he's shooting 40% on pull-up threes and 23% on catch-and-shoot threes. So I don't know what that means, but... In terms of being, like, uh, you know, a lead pick-and-roll ball handler for a great offense or whatever, pull-up threes are really important. If you can force guys to duck under those screens, you can get downhill. Or, or I mean, I mean, you can make them pay when they duck under your screen. And if they go over, of course, you can you can get downhill easier and find your teammates. So I think, I think that is something interesting to watch. We've seen other guys around the league um, have you know, not the prettiest shot motions, but they still go in. If he can if he can make a pull-up three uh, a reliable shot, I think he could be really dangerous. But I agree with you. I think he's got a lot of craft 
um, a lot like on the offensive end. I like his floater game, but it's it. There's nothing. It doesn't seem like he's a lot got a lot that he like spots he really wants to get to. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that is exactly right. It just when I, the floater, I guess, is the one thing, or the leaner when he's that is a nice shot that he has. I just. Forty-five percent on short mid-rangers, so that's probably where right. the floater's coming into. Exactly, that's a good percentage for him. Um, I, I just, man, I, I, his, like I said, his scoring just worries me a little bit. Um, and you're, I, you know, the pull-up, the pull-up three versus um, the catch and shoot. That's interesting, and I, it makes sense because he was not hitting many catch and shoot threes from what I was watching. Um, and he just he misses really badly. That being said, you know, I, I mean. Maybe it can improve. I just, I feel bad. Like, honestly, I just feel bad because I feel like I'm raining on people's parade, the Josh Giddy parade. But, you know, he, I think he does have the size to be a decent defender. Um, I don't think that's, you know, I think that's something that can improve. But he just seems like when he's driving, he, he doesn't know what he wants to do. He doesn't seem, unless he knows he's going to pass it. I'm, 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 I mean, when he's about to score when he's about to put up a shot near the rim. It just seems like he's a little confused. I don't know. Sometimes it ends up working. I feel like no, more, than, more, than you th- more than you think it would. But maybe there is something to what you're saying. I, I'm i probably a little bit more high on Josh Giddy than you are. I, I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm actually pretty high on, on Josh Giddy. But I think something that might speak to the point that you're making is that they are worse with him on the court, which, you know, I don't think you should put too much thought into. But on offense and defense, they're worse with him on the court, which is... Interesting. I, I don't think that's obviously his fault, but it's just it's just kind of something to keep in mind. But um, I I think that you know even if he is hitting those pull up threes and the catch and shoot threes are are the bad thing, that's still not good because if you're shooting twenty three percent on catch and shoot threes, defenses aren't going to guard you, which is right. going to hurt your teammates. And, and I think we've seen that a lot. Like people just really don't respect his three pointer right now, off ball especially. But he's he's got a lot of skill. He's a he I think he's the best passer in the draft to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you know, even even which is actually saying a lot. He's actually. making his rollers a lot better. Yeah. Um, and he's making. I think he's just he's able to do a lot that you wouldn't expect players who have much more experience in the league uh, to be able to do. So I, I think he's going to be a good player. He's got some things to work out. You're right that. You know, there are defensive questions. He's got to figure out how to score the ball better. But I honestly, I, I think that he's in really good shape and, um, you know, to develop those parts of his game going forward. Yeah, I, I, I guess my concern is if he can't score, what is he going to do? Like, is he going to have a place on the court? Um, especially, especially on a team that has Shea Gilgis-Alexander and a team that could accelerate its timeline really at any point the next few years uh will he be given that chance to develop right now okay is a great place for him to be um i mean we have seen guard or we have seen other you know initiators of offense who can't shoot um i mean i'm calling him a guard but he's six eight uh, i don't really know i don't really know what bucket you put him in honestly um but you know i Maybe you're right. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong because he is exciting to watch. You're right that usually you don't see like six, eight guys lead the offense and not be able to score. Right. Like that's the, that's like that prototype is is not really there yet. But we've seen a lot of guys, you know, break prototypes recently. 
uh, in the NBA. So it'll be interesting. I, I, I agree with you that the offense has looked a little more clunky with him and Shea out there, but there is the potential since Shea does have that scoring punch and Giddy can play make. But it, it, it'll be interesting to see see how he rounds out his game. But I think he has enough offensively where he can become like a high teen scorer yeah. and decent efficiency. And I think if he can combine that with his playmaking. High teens. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I you you think you don't think he can get that high? I mean I think he'd be mid teens. Okay. I think I can see him like 18, 18, 19, I think. Um I think he's just got a lot a lot of craft and like he even though he, like I said before, he doesn't necessarily have spots he wants to get to, he just can kind of figure things out and he's skilled enough and crafty enough to do that on the yeah. fly. And I think for some players that just works for their whole career. Yeah, know? no. I mean, well, okay, I think I guess I'm being way too severe. I actually do like Josh Giddy. <laughs> no, think, I know you do. Yeah. I think he's going to be like a good NBA player. I guess I was going in just expecting to be like blown away and I wasn't. Um and I was noticing these things. So that's just kind of fresh on my mind. Um, I, I do think, like you said, he's crafty. Um, you know, he might not, as I've been saying, he might not be the, the greatest scorer in the world, but I also think they can figure out ways to get him into better positions to score easier buckets, honestly, as well, uh, which it doesn't seem like they have been doing. Um, yeah, and his body could change, too, going forward. So we'll see what happens with him. Um, that's true. I don't know how he wasn't on the NBA, or, uh, excuse me, on the Australian Olympic team this summer. But that's wild, um, yeah. he did barely miss it. Uh, all right, enough about Josh Giddy. Next, we are going to the December Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month. Franz Wagner drafted eighth overall by the Orlando Magic. And Sal, he's been awesome. Oh yeah, that Franz Wagner has been ridiculous to watch. It's like it's hard to point out a lot of things that he's doing wrong on the court. He's able to switch super well for the Magic. Um, he can handle the ball and attack the basket. I love his footwork on both ends. Moves very well for his six nine size, and I think he's going to turn out to be a decent three level scorer if you can't call him that already. I mean, if you pull up his, yeah, I mean he's <laughs> to me he's an elite finisher. Yeah. He's an incredible finisher. He's the opposite of Josh Giddy. And even through contact, like, and once, yes. he's getting consistently. Yeah. And their offense is so much better with Franz on the court. With, with Franz on the court, like, total offense, defense, they're 12 points per 100 possessions better. I mean, he is That's, the best player on the Orlando Magic. He is the best player. And I would like to see him be a bit more impactful as a help defender, but I feel like, you know, the more I take notes on these guys, it's, it's hard to ask people to be awesome help defenders, awesome switch defenders, awesome one-on-one defenders at this point in their career, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, he's focusing on, he's he's taking tough assignments and focusing on those, and that makes sense. But, like you said, he's able to make super difficult finishes at the rim. Um, 40% on catch-and-shoot threes, awesome. Um, you really cannot help off him off-ball. He's such a deadly shooter, and... He knows how to use his strength and length on both ends, right? He can really body into people to initiate contact and finish. And on the defensive end, he does a decent job of, uh, you know, kind of bodying people up without fouling a lot of times. And, um, you know, there are some weaknesses there, but I think he he would be on my first team all-rookie team right now. I mean, obviously, you mentioned the two guys we're not going to talk about, but he's right up there with those guys as being the best rookies this year. Absolutely, yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, like I said, he, he won the Rookie of the Month. I mean, he was just on a tear in, in December. He, he played, I mean, we watched, he played the Bucks twice, and he tore us apart. Um, and, yeah, like I said, I mean, he's, a, he's an elite finisher. 
Um, he is a good uh, catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Um, again, I mean, it's going to be that way, like I said, for all these guys, just the efficiency. Sometimes, you know, he takes bad shots. He does play on a terrible team as well. Um, a so, team that's, you know, yeah, not trying to really win games. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I, he, But he has become sort of the focal point of, of their offense, um, which he should be. He's super fun to watch. It's kind of surreal watching him go to the rim. Like, it doesn't really make sense in my mind. You think it would after watching Giannis for all these years. But um, just with his size, his touch, and his skill around the rim, it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I I was saying, I think we were talking about moves we liked and didn't like over the offseason. I was saying I love the Orlando Magic draft. Jalen Suggs hasn't been as good as you want him to be, but we'll give him time. I still think he's got a lot of good tools, but... Franz Wagner, I mean, I, I expected him to be a type of guy that could fit on almost any NBA roster and help a very good team, mm-hmm. but I didn't necessarily expect him to be, like, a second-level usage guy on, like, a very good team, and he, he's showing that he can be able to do that, uh, that he's able to do that, and um, I think he does have a few weaknesses, which I could talk about, I guess, on this end. I think, or, or sorry, right now, um, he's a little slow going over screens, which can happen when you're 6'9", but I mean, you know, if you're switching screens, which you might want to do with Franz Wagner, then that's obviously not a big deal. But they trust him on big assignments as well. Um, he was guarding Zach Levine the other night, and it did look like Billy Donovan kind of took advantage of that matchup. What what Billy Donovan seemed to do was run Levine off, like, multiple screens on one possession, and they weren't, you know, they weren't switching off ball with, with Wagner, so he was just trying to keep up with Levine, and Levine was just hitting catch-and-shoot three after catch-and-shoot three after catch-and-shoot three. And, um, you know, that's going to be difficult for Franz Wagner to, to kind of keep, uh, guard someone one-on-one off ball like that and chase guys over screens. But when he does get over screens, oftentimes he can make up for it. But I think, I think that's going to be one weakness, you know, we'll see defensively for him. But like I said, ideally in high leverage matchups, you can have him switching all over the place. He doesn't need to worry as much about screen navigation. Yeah, I... You know, it is interesting because when you're watching the Magic, it's kind of, he has those assignments, I think, more out of necessity than anything else with the Magic. I think, you know, once Jalen Suggs returns and becomes the type of defender that I think he can be, I think that'll help out a lot too. Um, But I I, I do think he has the tools to end up being a pretty good NBA defender. Um, Oh, yeah. So, you know... for him, I think it's just about learning and, and becoming uh, more confident on that end. Uh, he doesn't look lost, like you said. He, he looks like, he looks competent. The screen issue, I mean, that's just always, it's always going to be like that when you're that size and you're trying to get around screens. I mean, we see that with Giannis. Right. Um, see, so he can't get around screens. No, 100%. I, I, like I said, I, I, so I would say, is, you know, a couple of his defensive weaknesses are just, I want him to be a little bit more impactful as a help defender and slow going over screens, but like, those are things that come with the size, right. and if he's that valuable, like off switches, like guarding players, just not allowing them at the point of attack to, you know, to, to, um, to, you know, get into the lane. Like he really, he's he's stopping players before they can make plays and before they can score. You cannot just get past him. He has the length and footwork to keep up with those guys, and that's like all you can ask for him right now. So I think he's been a, a very a, a plus plus defender for the Magic right now, but he does have weaknesses. And teams can try to look to exploit them as Billy Donovan did, like I said in that game. But overall, I mean, he's he's you know one of the best rookie defenders I've I've seen in the class. 
for sure. The future is bright in Orlando. But not as good as, I just said, well, yeah, <laughs> he's better than one of the best rookie defenders in the class, but not as good as this guy. <laughs> yeah, not as good as Davion Mitchell uh, for the Sacramento Kings. Um, he has been a defensive stalwart for them. He was drafted one pick after Franz Wagner, not, Wagner ninth overall. He He's a pest. Uh, I mean, he's, he's one of the better off-ball and on-ball defenders. Um, in the NBA, I think, period. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think it's too crazy to say that yet. Um, and we've seen, it's been so cool to see just these elite defenders come out um, in, in the draft. Uh, you know, I mean, this is this was pretty predictable. I think this was the reason why people were so high on Davian Mitchell. Um, but, I mean, he, he we saw Matisse Thibel a couple years ago, and he is that level of defender, I think. Yeah, no, no, he's he's just ridiculous. I think um, I've heard that he, you know, watches a ton of film. He's just obsessed with film and matchups. And I think he's it, watching that on the court. It looks that not only does he have the physical tools and the work ethic to just play 100% defensively and play so effectively, but he also knows how to guard players. Yeah, like but in his sorry. first week in the NBA, he was guarding like Steph Curry. He was guarding the other team's Dame, best yeah. guards. Yeah, and Dame, yeah. So, you know, he, they clearly have a lot of confidence in him. Um, he's, he's quick. He, screens just don't exist to him. I mean, you were saying that to me earlier, and I, I completely agree. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's so much fun to watch on the defensive end. But sorry, I cut you off. You, you can continue. No, I totally agree with you. Yeah, his screen navigation is excellent. But, yeah, what I was saying is, like, he, 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 they were playing the Lakers recently, and he just seemed like he completely knew how to deal with Russell Westbrook. Like, completely off-ball. In the corners, shade toward him a little bit more because he's a decent corner three-point shooter this year. Above the break, don't worry about him at all. Really, like, make him make him take the types of shots that you want him to take. And he was doing a beautiful job on Russell Westbrook. And I think Westbrook was okay in that game overall, but I think most of the times he was okay was when Mitchell was not guarding him or off the court. So... He's just someone who has every tool that you could want defensively. Um, he, he's just, I, I. It's he's impressive. Just, no, yeah, it, it's it's exhausting watching him play defense because it's exhausting watching him play defense because he's just working that hard out there, and, um, you know, he's only playing like, and sometimes like with how hard he's playing. I want Alvin Gentry to like to like sub him out because sometimes he plays like ten minutes in a row on like these tough matchups and it's just it's just I think he needs to I, I honestly think he's not I don't know how many minutes he's averaging this year but it seems like he's not averaging that many partly because that's a that's a position that they have a few players at right now mm-hmm. but they are playing really well um, in the Mitchell Halliburton and Heald backcourt lineups, those three guard lineups, like those lineups have been defensively menacing, and I think Mitchell is a huge part of that. Um, the, the lineups without Halliburton and and Fox instead haven't been great, so I think Halliburton might be kind of the secret sauce there. I think he's probably been their best guard this year, Tyrese Halliburton. He's been really good, and um, you know that's a different question about whether Fox should be a trade piece or what they should do with Fox going forward. But anyway. Um, yeah, he, he's, I think that, that, that secondary lineup with Mitchell Halliburton and Heald has been key to when they go on runs in some of these games. Yeah, he's averaging 25 minutes per game. Uh, he also, you know, obviously his strength is de- his defense. Uh, he's averaging, you know, nine points per game, 
He's not terrible on offense. He's not terribly efficient. He's not really a great three-point shooter um, either. But he does, you know, from the mid-range, he was uh, he was impressive to me. Um, he has that little dribble move that allows him to get open and create space. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it's always surprising to me that he's six feet tall only. Um, at least that's what he's listed at. Um, he can, I mean, he can guard any guard in the league. Um, so... There was one possession where he just came out of nowhere and ripped Jimmy Butler, and I was just like, where did he come from? Like He's, he's so just, so fast. He's so fast, and he knows when to use his physicality on defense and when to use his speed like, right. perfectly. Right, and I think, you know, when you see that, you just, not only is he physically fast, but he's processing the game at a higher level um, than most, most players out there, which is really impressive to see. You know, not many 22-year-olds are going in the top 10 of an NBA draft, and his defense is exactly why he did. Yeah, so I think, uh, like you said, he has he's able to create his shot for himself on, um, and get to those mid-range looks. I think it would help him a little bit more if he could just shoot a few more threes and a, a bit more at the rim and take a little bit less of those to, to up his efficiency a little bit. But I think he's kind of he's had some some pick and roll reps. He looks decent in those. I just like his general feel on offense. I don't think you want him to be super involved in the offense, but I think he seems like a pretty good passer. Like the unselfishness on defense translates to offense. And he's shooting decently at the rim this year, which is pretty impressive mm-hmm. for his size. So he's able to get by guys uh, depending on the matchup on offense. So I think he can he's not gonna be like a liability on offense, I don't think, like Matisse Tybel like is if we're I mean, not to, like, call out Matisse Thibel, but, you know, <laughs> I think Mitchell, in his idealized version, can be, like, a neutral on offense and an all-defense caliber guy on defense, so. You think he can be a good shooter? Three-point shooter? His form doesn't look bad to me, but, I mean, obviously, he's going to need probably a bit more space or, you know, might need to take more of his threes off the dribble since he's since he's smaller but and you know create separation from defenders but i think i think he can be a good enough wide open like just shooter i think he can make people pay if they help too much off him at least more than title for sure <laughs> yeah. for sure um all right moving on to chris duarte he was picked 13th overall by the indiana pacers uh pretty impressive uh he was really impressive to start the season He's still got a little bit, but he's just been a rock-solid, consistent scorer for them. Uh, to me, a true three-level scorer. It seems like he can score um, from pretty much anywhere. Uh, I think what's been really impressive watching him has been his off-ball movement um, and his ability to get into spots to help out his teammates and, and create easy shots for himself. What, what did you see? Yeah, I, I have I have the off-ball movement down in my notes. I think he has a very good idea of when to give his teammates space and when to cut for them. Mm-hmm. Um, he can be a little bit sloppy with the ball sometimes. I think yes. among all the players we watched, his turnovers were sometimes the worst. It seems like he's just playing a little bit too fast for his own good or doesn't know exactly what he wants to do or is is caught between two minds or, or something. It just... There's a little. There's a few inexplicable turnovers that can cost his team points on the other end. But like you said, he can be a three-level uh, scorer, a really effective mid-range shooter. Off the dribble, can always get to his shot. He's the type of guy that you you would you might want him taking tough shots in in uh, in clutch time and relying on him to make those. Um, he's a pretty crafty scorer. Right now, he's in COVID protocol, so we hope he can you know get healthy and get back on the court. But um, I, I think he's a decent passer. I think he's able to make some pretty simple reads on closeouts, like 
just kind of take a dribble, beat the closeout, pass to the open shooter. He's gotten a couple assists off that way. Um, but the unfortunate thing is I don't think this is, like, the type of player that the Pacers really need no. right now. It's just, I think, like, the Pacers need more efficiency on offense. Mm-hmm. And Duarte's a really nice scorer who's going to help who's going to help you get, you know, buckets late in clock. But I think the Pacers just need, like, you know, general scoring. Like, they need, like, they need to figure out what their identity is to get, like, easier shots on offense than they're getting in general. And Duarte is not really helping them do that. But he's been very solid. I, I, I've, I've liked what I've seen from him. And I did not know much about him. I didn't uh, see much of his uh, film from Northwest Florida State. Um, but <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's fun to watch. But... Not, not not the Pacers as a whole aren't fun to watch. I, I did I told you this, but I did fall asleep while I was watching Chris Duarte film. But I think it had more had to do with the Pacers than Chris Duarte. But he, he's he's a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, the thing is, he is pretty old. Um, he's what? How old is he now? He's uh, twenty four years old. I mean, so I, he's I, as old as like Jalen Brown or like Jason Tatum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, his ceiling is not super high. Um, I think this is kind of what we're going to get. I think he will be a more efficient scorer. I think he's going to be a really great six-man somewhere, and he could be a really great six-man, like kind of like a Jordan Clarkson-type player on a contending team. Um, nice player. Like you said, not necessarily what the Pacers need. Uh, what, what did you see on defense from him? You think he's a plus defender? Um, I like him as a help defender now Same more than a one-on-one defender. Um, I think he can get into passing lanes and make some some nice plays that way. I think he can turn into a solid like three and D wing maybe. Yeah. I mean he's not, like I can't you can't simplify his offense down to like three necessarily when you say three and D, but like he can play that. He can you can like plug him into several lineups because I think he's gonna be able to switch onto multiple positions like given his size. Mm-hmm. But I do think he needs to. Um, I I think he needs to just get more reps in terms of on ball defense, but. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, he needs to definitely work on defense. He's not impressed me, but I think his off-ball defense is, is making up for some of his, you know, on-ball reps a little bit right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's long. Uh, I think he can be a dis- – well, right. I mean, disruptive sounds like he's going to be really good. Yeah. But I think he can be, you know, he can sometimes be a disruptive defender. Um, and, you know, that's just something – Really, for all these guys, it's hard to know with a 24-year-old rookie, like, what they're going to be like. Um, you know, we've seen, like, someone like Malcolm Brogdon, who's on the same team, he was drafted when he was pretty old in the second round, and he's kind of just the player he was. Um, not to say he hasn't improved as, you know, a ball handler or as, as an initiator on offense, but, I mean, Chris Duarte is just going to be who he is. Um but Which is a good player. It's yeah. a good player, yeah. But it's just not someone that's going to change your team. Um, definitely not like the other guys, but I guess besides Damian Mitchell, who is also 22 years old. Um, but, yeah, I mean, unlike guys that at the top of the draft that, I mean, are franchise changers, which is why they were at the top of the draft and not number right, 13. Right, of course. So Yeah, I have in my notes here that I don't think he can guard elite perimeter players, which is, you know, not news. It's just not like, you know, breaking news or anything, but... He's a little frantic on defense, on ball, like I discussed before. Like, he was really struggling with Lamelo the other day, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, to be expected. I don't, I don't think you necessarily want him on those type of guys, but mm-hmm. um, he's a smart player. I think he's going he's gonna to carve out a niche for him in this league, and um, 
I, I like what he's he, he seems to really know his players around him really well like he knows when Sabonis is in that high post area like how to get himself in dangerous positions either like in the handoff game with him or just cutting to the basket because Sabonis is really good at making reads out of that position so yeah I think he's a, he's a smart player he's gonna figure it out but like you said I feel like the age is part of the lower ceiling that I see for him, but also just because of some general limitations that I see with him. I think that he's he, he'll get better, but he I don't think he's going to get that much better, which is, which is okay. But, mm-hmm. of course, he could prove us all wrong. Um, he's still very young relative to a lot of players in the NBA. Absolutely. Anything else on uh, Chris Duarte? Nope. I think that's uh, I think that's that's all the rookies there. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, I mean, it was fun talking about them. It was definitely fun watching them. Um, I feel like I had watched a lot more of Evan Mobley than really any of these guys, and that's probably because the Cavs are kind of are good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, this is one of the better draft classes we've had in a long time. We just have a lot of really solid to, play, to great players with really high potential. So I'm excited to see where all these guys are. We'll probably check in with them in a couple of months and see um, if they're continuing to improve and you know, go on the trajectory that we think they can. Maybe Josh Giddy will become a great scorer at some point this season. Probably not. Um, but yeah, if you did enjoy, make sure you send us an email at clearoutpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us at clearoutpodcast on Twitter. With that, we'll see you guys next time. We're going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you.